Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you, he is risen. Amen? And we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. And I love that story. I've got to tell you, and you're probably like me, I mean, I've heard that story over and over and over again. And I loved reading it again this year for some reason. I just, just all over again, I saw the wonder of it. And, it, and that's good for us because I've heard this story all my life. I was thinking I had, when I was a little kid, I had an Easter pop-up book. Do you remember pop-up books? Man, I love those books. They were great for my ADD, just because you never knew what was coming next, right? And I remember this one, because when you would open it, a, a tomb would come up out of it. And you know what was inside the tomb? Nothing, because it was empty, because Jesus was risen. And I love this story. And for most of us, I'm going to guess, we're familiar with this story. This isn't new to us. Every Easter, we come back and we remember this story. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only is that wonderful, but it's a little dangerous. Because the danger is we could become too familiar with this story. We could get so used to hearing it that we forget how wonderful it is. You know, in our... Um, songs today and the things that we've seen on the screens, we've been able to show you some footage from a, from a trip that I was privileged to be a part of that went to Israel back in January. The opener, if you were here for the very beginning today, had footage all throughout the Holy Land, and then we've seen the Garden of Gethsemane, we saw the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which they believe is, is the place where Jesus was both crucified and nearby that he was buried. We saw this, this example of a tomb from the first century. Something um, struck me when I was there back in January. You know, I've, I've grown up my whole life in church. I've, I've been privileged to, to learn and to teach the Bible. But man, when I was there, it struck me. This isn't just a story. This isn't just some book. These things really happened. And if they really happened, then the truth of them has the power to really influence our lives. And my concern that this Easter would just be another Easter for you is strong today. Our hope is that this would be more than a story for you. Because here's the deal, if we're not careful, we can allow a story like the resurrection of Jesus Christ to become commonplace to us, maybe even to the place that it begins to lose its power. That's exactly what happened in the first century town of Corinth. 20 years after the resurrection, think about this, that's not long, just 20 years after the resurrection, in the church that Paul started in the city of Corinth, they began to say, did this, did this really happen? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Can we really have life after death? 
Does any of this even make sense? Here's what we read. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Here's what Paul says. Look, if you get rid of the resurrection just because you don't understand it or you don't like it or you don't think it's possible, if you get rid of the resurrection, do you see what you did to your faith? You made it useless. And you might say, well, we, we don't do that. But I'll tell you, all over our culture and our society, this is one thing that is, that is constantly questioned, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the truth is, anytime this time of year, you get around the Easter season, Good Friday, Easter, you start flipping the channels, you're going to find some documentary about the life of Christ, aren't you? Who was Jesus? Did this man live? Did he really rise from the dead? Right? They ask all those questions. Did it really happen? And it causes us to go, did it really happen? Or maybe even more dangerous, we become so familiar with the story that it loses its power. My hope for you on this Easter Sunday is that you will see that this is so much more. The resurrection of Jesus Christ can be more than a story in your life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the game changer of history. It is the pivotal moment of all creation that allows us to experience God in a way that we can in no other way. Here's what Paul says. He talks about why the resurrection is so significant. Here's what he wants them to see. He says, look, Corinth, if you say there is no resurrection, do you know what you're saying? If there is no resurrection, then, and look at what he says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If you know the King James Version, or you have the King James Version, I, I love the way it says this. It says, if we only have hope in Christ for this life, we are of all men most miserable. Boy, that's a fine Easter. How do you do, isn't it? Look what Paul goes on to say. He says, if there is no resurrection, if Jesus didn't come back, if, 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 but then he says this, verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He says, look, this did happen, and if it did happen, then it changes our lives. Look, I want today to be so much more than a story for you. I want to show you three things that we have today because of the resurrection, and hopefully for some of you, if the resurrection just becomes another part of history in your life, this will allow you to see how critical the truth of the resurrection is. And maybe today you've not experienced this truth in your life. I want you to hear about it. Three things that we have because of the resurrection. Number one, here's the first thing. Because of the resurrection, we have faith. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have faith. Well, what do you mean? Here, here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. He says, look, your faith has no power. It's useless. It's futile if it's not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, your faith is futile. Now, this is important for us to grasp because sometimes we, we disconnect ourselves from some of these important truths in Scripture. Ask the question, what is faith? Faith, I think, at its most basic form is having something to believe in. 
Faith gives you something to believe in, to build your life upon, a foundation that you can, if, if you've got to get from here to there in your life, how do you do it? Somewhere, you've got to have something you believe in. You've got to have something that you can step out on and that you can trust in. That is faith. And what I hear so many times from people is this. I have a hard time putting my faith in something that I think is impossible. How do I know Jesus existed? And if he did even exist, what about this whole um, coming back from the dead thing? How can I put my hope and my confidence in something that is impossible? I'll hear that from time to time from people. In fact, for centuries, that's one of the challenges that some people have had in believing in Jesus, in believing the truth of the gospel message. And it's key for us to recognize this, that we can wrestle with these things. But let me, let me challenge you with this. If you have a hard time accepting the possibility of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, would you... Would you do the research? I mean, I'd be happy to even point you to some resources. Would you do the research and see what we find out about the historicity and the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And here's what you'll find. And understand this. If you look at all the possible options of what really happened in Jerusalem on that day about 2,000 years ago, here's what you'll find. That what we call impossible is actually the most logical solution. The thing that we call impossible is the thing that we look at and go, of all the options, this is the one that makes sense. Jesus rose from the dead. Here's how Billy Graham said it. There is more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. There's history. There's witnesses. And if you'll open up your heart, you'll find out this, that what is impossible is what is logical in this instance. Why is that important? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the very foundation of our faith. If you read through the New Testament, what you'll see is that the the, the writers of the New Testament in the Bible, they talk a lot about the cross of Jesus. And that's so important, and we'll talk about this in a moment. We, we have no forgiveness, we have no salvation without Christ's work on the cross. But understand this, that as important as the cross is, the cross has no power without the resurrection, true? Because what Jesus did on the cross, the power of that came that he defeated death. So the cross, as important as it was, was not as important to the New Testament church as the resurrection was. What they preached was Jesus Christ crucified and rose again. My friend Mark Turnage says it this way, that if the apostle Paul wore jewelry, he would not have worn a cross. He would have worn an empty tomb around his neck. Because that was the symbol that the faith was founded on. It was so significant in the first century, and I would challenge you that it's incredibly significant today. Look at what Paul writes. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you because of the resurrection. I can live with faith. I can have a confidence to know that I can put my trust and my hope because of the resurrection. I can live with faith. There is something, a foundation that I can build my life on. Look, I'm going to guess just about everybody in this room has at some point been out in our atrium here in the church, out in our lobby area. And you know that it's this big, wide open space and that bridging the two, uh, the two sides is that big kind of skywalk bridge that runs across the atrium. Do you know what I'm talking about? Connects one side to the other? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Okay, great. Some of you are in an Easter bunny coma. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, all right. How's the chocolate? Okay, so here's the deal. Um, if you're going to get from one side of the second floor to the other, you've got to go across that bridge. I do it multiple times a day because the stairs are on one side, my office is on the other. So I go back and forth across this bridge. When I do it, I, I don't think about it. I just do it. I just walk on it. Because I know that it was built well, I know that it's secure, and I know that if I'm going to get from here to there without having to go downstairs and do all that, i got to have something that will get me from one side to the other. So what I do every day when I've got to go from my office over to the stairs is I put my faith in that bridge. I put my confidence in it, and I walk across it knowing that this bridge will get me from here to there, and I know that it was built securely, and I can put my trust and my hope that I'm going to make it as I put my, I guess the best way to say is I put my faith in that. See, your faith is like a bridge that'll get you from here to there. Why is this so important for you to hear? Because some of you walked in here today, and right now your life feels aimless. You've got questions that you don't have answers to. You're looking for hope and you're having a hard time finding it. You're not so sure what your purpose is in life. Even more, you're not so sure there's anything you can believe in. And I can tell you that you can put your faith and your confidence in Jesus Christ. And do you know why? Because of his resurrection. Because of the truth that he conquered the ultimate enemy as we'll see of death. And as a result, you can put your faith in him. When you believe in Jesus, your faith is not futile. You can put your hope and your trust in him. We have faith because of the resurrection. Here's the second thing we see. Number one, because of the resurrection, we have faith. Number two, because of the resurrection, we have forgiveness. Because of the resurrection, we have forgiveness. Go back to what Paul said in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If it's not for the resurrection, he says, there's no forgiveness. You're still in your sins without it. Here's what he means. As, as important as crucifixion was in this story, as key as the cross was, if Jesus died on the cross and then that was it, he was just another crucified guy. See, the Roman government, they, they perfected the art form of execution through the cross. And they crucified thousands of people because they were sending a message that if you mess with Rome, you're going to end up on that cross. And so thousands of people, thousands of Jewish people were crucified by Rome. And Jesus, for most people, was just another Jewish criminal being crucified. You know what was different about what he did? A couple of things. One, he was the son of God. (laughs) Two, on that cross, he poured the price for your sins and my sins. But even more, when he came off that cross, on the third day, he rose again. He defeated death. He conquered sin in what he did there. So as important as the cross is without the resurrection, it does not have the power. But because of the resurrection, everything's different. The work of the cross is made real through the power of the resurrection. The work of the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, it is made real because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what Paul says to the church in Corinth is this, that without the resurrection, you are still in your sins. Maybe you have like a, maybe you have like a favorite shirt, or maybe you got like your your lucky jersey, and on game day, you put that on, and you sit in front of the TV, and you know that if you wear that shirt just the right way, you don't wash it, right? Praise God, you don't want, no, you wash it, wash it, wash it. If you wear it just the right way, team will win, right? And then you're sitting there and you're eating some pizza and all of a sudden a piece of pepperoni just jumps off your pizza onto your favorite shirt. You're like, oh man, 
And you look at it and it leaves this big mark, leaves a stain there. What do you do? I mean, you go to town to get that thing out of there. Have you ever worked on a stain and then just made it worse? Yes, there's some bitter people in the room. You've had that happen. You work and you work and you try to get that out and it just gets worse and worse until Chad's wife comes in with some kind of magic solution, right? She sprays that on there and somehow she's able to take that stubborn stain and do something about it. See, no matter how hard you try, you can try to get rid of your sin. You can try to get rid of your shame. Call it guilt. Call it mistakes. Call it those things that you just keep coming back to. Whether it's It's actions you repeat, or maybe it's just the burden of that, I don't know, call it guilt, call it shame, call it regret, that just stays weighing on your mind, but you feel like you can't get rid of it on your own, and you can't, because you can't do it without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and you know why that forgiveness is available? Not just because of what he did on the cross, but because he conquered death and rose again, you don't have to still be in your sins. Understand this, because Jesus is not still in the tomb, you do not have to still be in your sins. He set us free. There's a lady who um, went to went to see her pastor. She walked in the office and they sat down and he knew immediately, whoa, something's up here. Knew the family well, but he'd never seen that look on her face before. She said, Pastor, um, I've never told anyone this. She said, but I did something 20 years ago and I think about it every day. I love my husband and we've been happily married for a long, long time. But 20 years ago, I was unfaithful to him. I cheated on him. No one knows but me and the person I cheated with. And although, although no one knows, I think about it every day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't feel guilt and shame. And I can't do it anymore. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So they talked for a while and they prayed together. And finally the pastor said, look, I, I typically wouldn't just give this kind of advice to people. I, I mean, I, I don't know all the situation and there's a lot of things this is complicated. He says, and, I, and I'm not sure that this is always the best thing to do, but in your case, I, I think you need to go right home tonight and you need to confess this to your husband. I think you need to tell him because I know your husband and I know he loves you and uh, I, I think the best thing you can do is to tell him what happened. And she said, well, pastor, this isn't gonna be easy for me, and I can tell you I don't wanna do this, but I trust you and your advice, and I think this is probably the right thing to do. But if my marriage falls apart because of this, I'm blaming you. (laughs) And she wasn't smiling when she said it. She came back into the office the next day, and uh, he said that when he saw her, she looked 15 years younger. And he said to her, okay, you, you got to tell me. I've been praying for you all, all night. What happened? She said, well, you know, I went home, and it was something I just did not want to do. But we sat down on the couch, and I said to my husband, there's something i got to tell you. And as hard as it was, I told him the whole story. And when I was done telling him about my unfaithfulness to him 20 years ago, he looked at me, and he said, I know. I've known for 20 years. I forgave you then, but I've been waiting all this time for you to tell me just so I could let you know how much I love you. 
The pastor said at that point, she started to laugh. He said, you know, pastor, every day for the last 20 years, I lived with the hurt, the regret, the guilt, and the shame of something that has been forgiven all this time. For some of you, I don't know if it's been 20 years or two weeks or maybe even just 20 minutes, but there's something that you live with shame or guilt or regret that day in, day out, it comes back to you and it's crushing. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you feel like you've, you've lost any hope or any chance at God's grace. I can tell you this. I know your heavenly father and I know how much he loves you. And I know that if you'll just tell him, he's already forgiven you. Like he, he forgave you 2,000 years ago. He's just waiting for you to ask for that forgiveness so he can let you know just how much he loves you. You know why? Not just because Jesus died on the cross, but because after he paid the price for our sins on the cross, he rose again so that you did not have to still be in your sins. Because of the resurrection, we have faith. And because of the resurrection, we have forgiveness. Let me, give you, let me give you one last thing, a third thing. Number three, because of the resurrection, we have a future. Because of the resurrection, we have a future. What, what's at the heart of the resurrection? Well, the fact that resurrection means that we've conquered death. Paul says, look, if there's no resurrection, then death wins. Here, here's what he said, verse um, Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost if there is no resurrection. But he goes on to say, look, Christ did rise from the dead. So here's what it means. Our future is not death. Our future is life. Our future is life. And that's so significant that we understand because we have such a fear of death. I don't know if you, if you are aware of this, but we were blessed a, a year or so ago to be able to begin to broadcast some of our services on television here locally. So on Sundays, it's on like 11 and at noon, and then it comes on like at 10 o'clock on Thursday nights. And then on Friday nights, like between Friday night and Saturday morning at 1.30 in the morning, it's on TV. Well, I've got a friend that was on her couch one night. She's home alone. She's watching TV, and she fell asleep. And so she falls into this sleep. Any of you ever fall asleep, like in a deep sleep, and you're on your couch, you're watching TV, and then you wake up, and you're just kind of groggy. You're like, where am I? What's going on? Well, she woke up somewhere between 1.30 and 2 in the morning. And the TV's on. She's kind of groggy. She's disoriented, trying to figure it out. And she wakes up laying on the couch, and she hears my voice. And she says to herself, true story, she says, holy cow, I'm dead. <laughs> and they got Pastor Chad to do my funeral. Then she looked, she saw her cat walking around and she realized, I'm not, that's my cat, I'm not dead, you know, and trying to figure out what was going on. But isn't that interesting? First thing that she thinks of when she hears my voice is that she's dead. That's wonderful. It's awesome. But death haunts us. Death is so real. We've been to so many funerals. We know so many people. That if we've not experienced that loss, we've seen the way that grief has, has affected them. Death has been conquered, Scripture says, that our future is life. But it doesn't always feel like it. We need to remember this. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand this, death is the ultimate expression of sin. Death is the ultimate end of all of us. Death is the ultimate way in which so many of us experience painful loss. It's the ultimate enemy and Jesus conquered the ultimate enemy of death. He gives us the victory. So when you think about your future, your future is not just life, your future is victory. Our future, what he's promised us, is victory. We fight so many battles in life. I was just talking to a guy that I just met after this last service. He started talking to me about his challenges and his struggles. We fight so many battles in life. You do, I do, if we're honest, they come in so many different ways. They come in our past or fear of the future. They come in our workplace. They come in our homes and our finances. For many of us, it's a battle we fight with our health. Maybe it's even a battle we fight with our mind. And we have to recognize this, that even in the midst of all the battles we fight, Jesus has already promised us that there's victory, to which some of you say, oh yeah, Chad? (laughs) It sure doesn't look like it. To me, oftentimes, it looks like death is won. You seen the headlines lately? Young lives that are ended far too soon. Violence and Racism, hatred, contentious politics, a terrorist attack in Brussels that looks like life and victory to you. If this is all so good, if this is all so true, then tell me, why does it look like that death is winning? You know where we started today? We started in Matthew chapter 28. We, we read the story of the resurrection and about how the women went to the tomb on that third day. When they were going there, they didn't know there was going to be an Easter service. They went for a funeral. They went to grieve. They went as a part of their Jewish ritual mourning practices to remember someone that they had lost and remember who the someone they were remembering was. It was the one they'd put all their hope in. They'd put all their trust in him. They had said, we believe that Jesus is the one who's going to bring us life and victory and hope. We're putting our future in him. And you know where he is now? They're going there to see him because he's dead and in that tomb are their hopes with him. What they don't know as they're going to grieve is that on the other side of that stone, some Somewhere on the other side of that rock, actually somewhere in the depths of death itself, that body, that lifeless body was coming back to life. And I can tell you this, as sure as I'm breathing now, he started breathing then. And the resurrection power of God came into the body of Jesus Christ, and he not only came back to life, but as a result, he conquered death with it. And he defeated sin once and for all because he paid the price on the cross. But we don't have to still be in our sins. We have faith, forgiveness, and a future because Jesus rose again. We have that because of the resurrection. You know what I mean. We have that. Man, we have that because of the resurrection. But get this. For those few days, it sure didn't look like it. It looked like death had won. But ultimately, Jesus brings us the victory. Where you are right now, it may look like death is winning, but understand this, this battle that you're fighting is not the whole war. And the good news is, the war's already won. That's good, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Look, understand, understand this. We can fight through the battle because Jesus has won the war. We can put our confidence and our trust in him. Why is that so important? Because some of us don't live like that. We forget that because of the resurrection, we can have faith, we can have forgiveness, we have a future. 
We, we sing a song around here that has this line in it that I love so much. It says, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. That the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead, that conquered the grave, if it lives in us, then we have hope and we have life. And my hope is this, that in knowing that you will allow the resurrection to be more than a story for you today. So can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? I want you to take a look inside, whether you're here in Auditorium 1, maybe you're over in Auditorium 2. I want you to stop just for a moment. Consider your own life. Consider the things we've talked about today. Where are you in your life? Man, maybe for some of us, this is just a good opportunity to to recognize why Easter is so significant. But for others of us, today is a critical moment for us to look at our lives. In, In the journey of your life from here to there, do you have that bridge of faith? Do you have a firm foundation that you can, you can bank your life on? It's available because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for some of you, you've been carrying around guilt and shame and fear and doubt. And today, God wants you to know that because of the resurrection, there's forgiveness. He knows He's already done the work so you can be forgiven. You you just have to ask him for it. And others of you, you feel like you're in a season where somehow death is winning. You wonder where the life is. You wonder where the victory is. And you need to be reminded today that in the midst of the battle you face, Jesus has already won the war. And what you need is for a resurrected king to bring resurrection life to you today. And so, Father, that's our prayer. Lord, that's our hope. That you would allow this Easter message to be more than a story. God, that you would let it impact our lives so that we could be changed. That the resurrected King would resurrect us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Aaron Ross. I'm Jessica Ross. And we have been married for over 10 years. It'll be 11 in May. We have two kids, Garrett and Olivia. They are 11 and 8. I mean, I was kind of like a scared child, really, because I knew what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I knew I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I felt really desperate. I had no hope. I didn't know where my life was headed. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't have a purpose. Believe me, I looked for different things to bring me joy. And I just never found it. There was nothing bringing me joy like I was looking for. I knew Jesus was the Savior of the world, and He's the only one, but I didn't know He was mine. The head that once was crowned with thorns Is crowned with glory now The Savior now to wash our feet Now at His feet we bow The one who wore our sin and shame Is now robed in majesty The radiance of 
and now shines for all to see. Growing up, I was in church every Sunday. I was in youth group every Wednesday. Always a God-focused um, household. But for me, I never really, I never really took that on. I knew he was, he's the only savior of the world. There is a God who created the world, who's in control of everything, who I should be seeking on decisions in my daily life. But I just never let that take hold in my life. You know, I, I rejected that for 32 years. There were literally nights where I would wake up with just that serious anxiety. I would feel it throughout the day. And I didn't necessarily know what it was. You know, a lot of times I would think, I need a different job, or I need different things to bring me joy. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. and you're trying to do everything on your own, it's, it's a struggle. But when you open up and realize that he can make any, everything happen, you just have to be willing to open yourself up and say, I'm ready for you to, to take everything over. And you just be amazed at what he can do for you. You know, it was, it was April of last year when I like to say, you know, Jesus finally saved me because I really didn't do anything except recognize that he was there for me. I mean, really what I was seeking was the love of Jesus, and I didn't even know that. He had enough mercy and grace to be immensely patient with me, and even though I pushed him away for 32 years, he was right there when I needed him. Um, interestingly enough, I have the same job, the same wife, the same kids, but everything is different. I have hope, which I didn't have before. I have a purpose now, even though all these situations are the same, and it isn't anywhere else. It just isn't. I looked for it, I could tell you all the places, and it's not there. I have joy, and I have that peace, and I have real life, and I can live life to the fullest now because I have Jesus in my life. He literally resurrected me. Church, we're gonna invite you to stand and worship with us right now. We're going to give God praise for the power of the resurrection. We're going to sing, By Your Spirit I Will Rise. And by your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your Resurrecting King, come on, sing it. It's resurrecting me. 
Aren't you thankful that he resurrects us? I, I loved hearing Aaron and Jessica's story. I'm, I met Aaron a couple of days after his first visit to Calvary. And uh, it was interesting because we stood and we had a conversation and he said this to me. He said, I know that I'm not right with God. I know that things between God and I, he says, I know they're not right, but I want them to be. And it was a week or two later when he had the experience that he talked about last April, where he, how did he say it? That Christ saved me? <laughs> that he realized that resurrection power of Jesus Christ in his life. Look, our hope today is that Easter would be so much more than just a story. That it would be more than just some, some other holiday or some other thing. And for some of us, the, the point has been, yeah, we've got to remember the faith and the forgiveness, the future that we have in Christ. For others of us, you would be exactly where Aaron was. And you would say, I know today that I'm not right with God, but I need to be. I need him to resurrect me. And the best thing that you could do on Easter 2016 is let this be a day that he changes your life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. In fact, I'm going to ask Auditorium 1, Auditorium 2, that we just take a minute and uh, we're, we're, we're great on time. If you just stay right where you are for just a minute. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to look in your own heart if you're here today and you know that things aren't right between you and God, and that what you need is to put your faith in Him, you need His forgiveness in your life, and you will entrust your future into His hands. See, that's what we mean when we say we make Him our Lord and our Savior. As our Savior, He gives us forgiveness. As our Lord, we entrust our future to Him knowing that he promises us life and victory. And if you would say today, I know I'm not right with Jesus, but today I need to begin a relationship with him. I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. Would you just raise your hand where you are? Keep it raised for just a moment. Whether you're here in Auditorium 1, over in Auditorium 2, yeah. Man, thanks, thanks. You know that today you need that resurrection power in your life. You can put your hands down, thanks. Here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I, I think that sometimes... For, for there to be a, a spiritual change in our lives, we need a physical response. And so I want to pray with you today, and I'm not going to ask you to do anything uh, weird or uncomfortable, but if you raised your hand and you said, I need Jesus' resurrection power in my life, I'm going to ask you to do this. In just a moment, Pastor John's going to begin to sing again, and when he does, I'm going to ask you just to come and stand right down here in the front. If you're in Auditorium 2, you can step right down to the front there in that room in Auditorium 2. Someone will be there to meet you. Just going to invite you to come and find a place to stand here, because I want to pray with you, because I think this is really significant, that you make this day a day where you make Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Now, before, before any of you take that walk, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I know that sometimes it's a hard walk to take. Would you just turn to the person on your left and on your right and just ask them a couple simple questions. Are you right with God? And if you want to take that walk to the front, I'll go with you. I'll take that walk with you to encourage you. Go ahead, do that right now. Turn to the person on your left and your right. Just ask them, are you right with God? And if you need his resurrection power in your life, I'll go with you. I'll take that walk with you today. For some of you, this is the most important decision that you can make to say, Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. I need your faith. I need your forgiveness. I give you my future. Pastor John, would you begin to sing that song? And if you need to make him your Lord and Savior today, right now, just as we begin to sing, would you step out of your seat? Come and find a place to stand here. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't think you'll do it another time. This could be the moment that God has put in your life to respond. Pastor John begins to sing. Just come and find a place to stand here. You're not going to come alone. Let's believe that he's changing lives today. 
ashes of defeat. Let's sing this. Resurrected, resurrected King. King. Thank you, Lord. He's resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your spirit I will God is speaking to your heart. Don't be afraid to take that walk. Let me share just a couple of thoughts with those of you that have, that have come forward today. First of all, I know that when you take a, a step like this, especially in a room full of people, it requires courage and conviction, and we want to applaud you today for taking that step, because we know the difference that that'll make in your lives. It's awesome. Now look, I also know this. I know that for some of you, this may be the very first time that you've responded in a way like this. For others of you, this may be kind of a, 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 a new step again a rededication of your life. I also know this, that when you take a moment, when you take a step like this, God is pleased. Scripture tells us that heaven rejoices, and we also know this, that the enemy who wants sin and death to rule in our lives is not pleased with this. He's frustrated with this. And so odds are that when you step out of here today, you'll start to think, well, maybe this was just an emotional thing. Maybe this was just a moment. And I can tell you that what God is doing in your life right now in this moment is real. It's the realest thing that's ever happened to you, and you can celebrate His resurrection power in your life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer of faith. You're not going to pray it alone. The person who came with you is going to pray with you. This whole room's going to pray with you. Those that know Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you join me in this praying this prayer? Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin, who on the third day rose again through the resurrection power of God so that I could have faith so that I could have forgiveness, so that I could have a future. I give my life to you. Make me new. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate what God's doing in our lives today? Here. Here's what I want to ask you to do. If you, if you prayed this prayer today, I, I'm going to invite you to stop by our Connection Center. There's some people there who would love to pray with you. We have a Bible we want to give to you that I really do believe is going to help you with some things, not just an easy Bible to understand, but it has some tools in it that will help you as you continue to grow in your walk with the Lord. Hopefully you'll stop by. I'll be there. I'd love the opportunity to meet you, to pray with you. Thanks for being here. Before we go, can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. And God, we thank you for your life that you've given to us. Lord, I thank you, and I stand with each one of these who've said today that they want to make you their Lord and their Savior. God, would your resurrection power bring life to us to make this so much more than just a story. Now, God, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us, send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.